need to start it out the way you normally do? Uh, I don't know if we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it the same way we always do it. I don't know. I'm feeling very uh, quarantined. Not a lot of energy over here, so I'm I'm counting on you to bring the energy. Uh, let's see. What what we go? Is this our third quarantine version? It says, of it says 003 in the, uh, in the invite. Yeah, so it's quarantine radio That's, three. Um, I guess we can actually start it with, didn't even notice, no punches left uh-huh. to roll with. You got to keep me focused. You want it? Say so? Did you just Google the lyrics <laughs> to say so before you did that? <laughs> I mean, I've been humming it for maybe the last three weeks, so I was like, now is a perfect time to figure out what she's yeah. actually saying. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, so I want to do the TikTok part dance next. or no, no TikTok <laughs> dance for, for that one yet. But yeah, yeah I got, I got to come yet. up with something. Okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, I know you will. <laughs> but how has that been? I know it's going crazy. This record, like. <laughs> Well, you you love to jump right in without even introducing who the other person on the um, true because like the we line is this, we work with this guy, so I just felt like we were back in the yeah, office or whatever. It's kind of like we're back in the office. <laughs> but no, we are. Well, I'll cool. do it then, Eddie. Uh, cool, cool. <laughs> Not the pocket. This oh, well, just well, yeah. The intro is this is for musicians podcast. We are. Episode 16, Radio Edition 3, um, or Quarantine Radio 3, going on here. So after you see, the, if you hear on the Zoom or whatever, thanks for tuning in. If you're able to, later it'll be on YouTube as well, Spotify, Apple, um, Google, Amazon, wherever else you can find podcasts. So yeah. And Wait, this, the, is, this is on video? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I would have looked more like a like a business manager had I known it was going to be on video. I, it's, I looked, it's okay. No, it's fine. You got the headset. You got the headset that either only a banker or a telemarketer could could have. So you, you kind of fit the part. Well, I would like to note that Eddie also has a headset, and he is neither of yeah. those things. So this is ah. actually for Call of Duty and NBA Two K. <laughs> it also is like blends into his beard, so you can't really see it. Your your red beard doesn't really mask it, Nick. Yeah, I, I have to cut. I have to get some spray paint and color it red so no one yeah. can see it on my calls. Yeah. So that that person, if you're not watching, that voice that you hear is uh, Nicholas Judd of uh, Left Brain, um, and Left Brain is a business management service, um, and he can tell you more about it when we get to him. But you'll hear him chiming in. Um, with Eddie and I, and then a little bit later, we've got uh, Michael Berg um, joining us, who ran Silver Rapper for years and um, runs venues here in Chicago and is an uh, independent music uh, promoter. Um, but since we have Nick on, Eddie, we should probably just jump jump right into into that portion. I'm with that. So Nick, um, without making our audience fall asleep. Um, can you let us know what a business manager does? Sure. Uh, so 
I like to tell people that I, I either have the, the most exciting job in, in accounting or the uh, least exciting job in the music industry. So what a business manager does is at our core, we're really an accountant. It's sort of a fancy name for accountant, although we do significantly more than that. Essentially anything that has like a dollar sign attached to it that's related to an, an artist and in, in their career, uh, we have our hand in in terms of making sure that everything is properly collected and remitted, keeping the ship going with bills getting paid, reviewing royalty statements, making sure that everything's properly being collected. When an artist goes on tour, making sure that that tour will actually make the money, or if we know it's not going to make money, at least knowing how much money it's not going to make so that you can make preparations with the label or with, with the managers or everybody else on the team so everyone's on the same page. Um, and, and then taxes, which is by far the most boring part of what we do, but also very critical. So it, for, for independent musicians, a lot of people um, that Eddie and I sort of uh, run into in the music industry, artist-wise, think that they need to put their entire team together. You know, they need a manager right away. They need a lawyer right away. Um, they need a tour manager. They need all that kind of, and they need a business manager. Um, when do you recommend that an artist actually hire someone like you? And, and you know, in your experience, is there a, is it a dollar amount? Is it a, a position in their life where they need it? What, what do you see as the best? Yes. So for, yes. for business, sorry, Josh, you broke up a little bit there, but I, I got the gist of the question. Um, so it varies depending on the the individual artist. Now, the business managers are typically one of the last, if not the last piece of that team puzzle when an artist is putting, um, putting together a team. Uh, sometimes it depends on the business manager. Some business management firms won't take on a client making less than a million dollars a year. Uh, I think that there's a point well before then that an artist would justify having them. Typically, it's when things start to get so busy that one, this is like your, pro, your, your pure focus, the amount of work that's required to do the business management cannot be handled by another member of the team. Uh, usually when we're tr thinking about bringing clients in, we do look at a dollar amount because that, that's like the easiest metric to look at. Uh, so at Left Brain, we will typically take on a client generating at least a quarter million dollars uh, a year in revenue. Now there's exceptions uh, depending on that individual artist and what they have going on and the workload, but a good rule of thumb for us is a quarter million, but I know that a lot of business management firms, it's like half a million or even a million at, at some of the others. Okay. So what would you say are some uh, like practical accounting steps for artists before they reach that mark of that 250 and can get the services of a guy like you to, to just make sure that when they're starting off just making 50 or $100 or whatever, just making sure that they're accounting for everything properly. Yeah, I think the, the easiest thing is setting up a, a separate bank account, really, and making sure that your business aspect is separate from your personal aspe uh, aspect of, of your career. And what that does is it means that when you're filing your tax, well, one, make sure you file your tax returns, but it makes it a lot easier on your tax accountant that you, uh, if you can hire somebody with a little bit of music experience or even a lot of music experience, there are tax accountants that specialize that don't do full service business management. Um, but by keeping those finances separate, then you're able to uh, 
easily track it. You're not commingling your personal expenses with your business expenses. You can get your taxes and you can file them. I mean, that's really the very base level of what an artist should do is just keep things separate and keep things organized. Uh, if you can get th if you can sign up with a uh, with a product like QuickBooks Online uh, and keep track of your revenue and expenses through there, that's great. You know, budgeting will usually come after managers can largely or tour managers can budget. Uh, before you need a business manager and some of the other high level stuff is very much is important for larger artists but is truly a luxury uh for for smaller artists so i would just stick with with that is really sort of my my recommendation gotcha <laughs> and what is it what's the normal uh method for a business manager to to charge an artist like what is what does an artist have to understand if they use uh someone like left brain or, or another business management firm. Sure. So the, the industry standard uh, would be a 5% commission. However, shout out to the uh, uh, former <laughs> podcast name. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, but it, it varies greatly and it depends on the firm. Uh, it varies more when you become, when you're a really large artist, when you're a superstar, because 5% mm -hmm. on an artist making $10 million a year is ridiculous. Uh, so normally what you'll see there is there'll be a cap, or maybe they'll do hourly if they're if they're set up to be able to to keep track of their time hourly on a client. Um, you may see some cutting commissions uh, at that higher level for for left brain because we we are aiming at sort of the lower end of the business management market. Uh, some of the clients that we pick up that are that are smaller they 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 don't lead complicated personal lives. You know they have. Yeah a rent, they pay rent or a mortgage, maybe they have a credit card and, and like utility bills and that's it. You know, things that, that take two seconds to set up on recurring payment and they're done. So for us, if a client's like that, then we, you know, we don't want to take the full 5% when the workload is relatively small. So what we tell them is, hey, you know, you take care of your personal side of the stuff. We'll take care of all your businesses and all your taxes and that thing and we can, we can get a cut in the rate. So for a producer, we typically go in at three and a quarter. For a touring musician, it's like three and three quarters if we're just doing the business. Gotcha. gotcha. So, so, Eddie, I, I don't know about you, but my, my experience with business managers um, has not been pleasant. Um, you know, and, and um, full disclosure, I'm uh, a part of, of Left Brain. Um, and I can sort of tell our, uh, our origin story, Nick, it's, uh, I don't think people will mind Eddie, you don't mind, do you? No, no, go right ahead. All right. Okay. I feel like we're, we're getting to know each other better. Um, I, I was, I have clients that were in need of business management. They were at a level where, you know, we were doing a lot of this stuff ourselves. And then I got nervous cause I'm not a, an accountant and people that work for me, um, shout out to Whitney, um, is not, not an accountant and doing a lot of bookkeeping herself, which. I think it's pretty common, right, Nick, when you're seeing artists that are about to get to that point, their management company winds up doing a lot of the accounting for them or bookkeeping for them. I, I hope that's the case. You know, sometimes yeah. you pick up people that they've just skated by and they're like, I haven't filed a tax return before. That's a real <laughs> nightmare, but ideally, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, so I, we were doing a lot of the stuff for ourselves and then I was shopping a couple other uh, clients to some well-established business management firms and um, you know, this is kind of just sort of, it's common in the music industry. You, you go into a company or go into a law firm or a management company or whatever it is, and you're going to get the, the red carpet treatment. They're going to show you, you know, all the partners are going to come out and tell you that they're going to take care of you. 
Um, and then as you know, reality sets in, you sign the engagement letter or you become a client or you start working with people, you get passed down, right? Based on how much revenue you have and what your perceived worth is. And so with clients that I had, I would call to talk to the business manager and I would get a junior associate or an assistant. Um, and it just kept happening over and over and over. And it would be, uh, it got to the point where I had a, a call with someone and I was asking them where a sound exchange statement was. And the business junior business manager didn't know what sound exchange was. And so I knew it was kind of time to, to make a change. I, I think, you know, that there's something to be said for taking a modern approach to business management. And especially with everything that is, you know, the way everybody is on their phone and your entire world is on your phone with finances. I couldn't get any tech reports from any of the other business management companies. I couldn't get, you know, real time um, statements. I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't tell how much money a client had, which as a manager is a pretty scary place to be because the first person they ask where their money is, is, is the manager. So Nick uh, shares that same frustration and developed his company and a left brain around that sort of philosophy. Um, did I sum that up? Well, Nick, yeah. Yeah. You, you did a good job. So I've heard this story probably close to a hundred times before. And the first time I, I heard this story was when I first met Josh and we were sitting down at a coffee shop. And for me, it was really eye opening because I had left business management at that point. I wasn't, I was a consultant for, uh, and still in the music industry, still in the finance role, but with, with a lot of more like companies, uh, music festivals, things of that nature. Cause I had left it behind cause I had felt the same way. Uh, I, I, the company I was working at was, was doing the, their work quality was very high, but the value proposition didn't line up with what, what I felt was what business management should be. And, and, right that's what, but the industry was that way. And so I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is just a difference in opinion between me and what the industry wants. And so, you know, I, I left after six years and, and, and never thought I'd go back until meeting up with Josh and the light bulb really came on for us. And it was, Hey, this is a real problem. And you know, it's not just me that feels this way. You know, here's a manager and, a, and an entertainment attorney that's, that's, that's telling me the same story. So I, I went and I spoke to, you know, 20, 30, other artist managers, handful of artists to, to one to make sure that it wasn't just Josh and I uh, meeting, meeting together at, by chance, but this was really something that was uh, common within the industry. And the one message I got back was it was, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. That was the issue. And so with left brain, that was me and Josh coming together to figure out how to solve this problem. I mean, it really boils down to, to two or three different things. Well, you know, one is transparency, making sure that information is being communicated in, in real time to managers and artists so they can use that information to their advantage. Um, two is responsiveness. So when there is a question that, that you need an answer to, most managers need it now. You know, they're not right. asking questions today because they need an answer in three weeks. They're right. asking questions today because they want it now. Um, and so what we did with left brain, which is, you know, ha is really a half fintech startup, uh, half business management company is building out technology to fix those two core problems. You know, one building out an app that, that answers the four basic questions that every manager asks almost every day, you know, how much money do I have? You know, wh who owes me money? Where did that money go? And, and who do I owe money to? And so we yep. built a, an app to, to put that in, into our clients' pockets and then also built out a back-end communication platform 
that allows us to be much more responsive to our clients. So, you know, when Josh sends us a text about one of his clients, it goes into our system uh, and we're able to quickly respond. Our app has a direct messaging component to it so that we can quickly respond to messages that go out through that. And then even with our email, we have it set up. So you only have to remember one email address for that one client and it goes into our system. It's shared across the board with the whole team. Uh, and it's assigned to the appropriate team member to, to manage that way. You don't have to CC the whole world or forward emails on or, or do any of that. So right. that was our approach to be able to solve those, those things. And it's worked out really well for us so far. Sweet. Eddie, as a, as a teacher and, you know, someone who, you know, professor who's constantly seeing young artists, what do you think? Like, cause like from my perspective, most artists have no knowledge and, uh, and no understanding of finances and they just know they need to go make a bunch of money and that's kind of, they want to work on the music. So yeah. are you seeing the same sort of mindset with this, with your students? Yeah. Where their goal is just to make money, but not understand how, money actually works, understanding yeah. taxes, understanding percentages and, and paying people off and saying like, oh yeah, I signed this deal for a million dollars. Okay, yeah, that may be the lump sum that comes in after four albums. And right. think about the percentage you have to pay your management and all that. That that overall perspective isn't really happening. Um, they're just looking at the big picture as far as like, sign for as much as I can, get as much money as I, I make as much money as I possibly make right now. So right. I think the education side of the finances is going to be super important moving forward. Like a lot of young artists are going to just need to know the basics as far as like how much of their money is going to get taxed just to think about and to save up when they are making money for shows, you know, like right. things like that aren't, aren't being taught. Yeah. One of the things that we had implemented that, that we saw amazing results with, and it's not something that I had seen in business management, but, and, and it harks back to that, that bank account question that I was answering, Eddie, and it's really keeping your business and your personal finances separate and not commingling that. And what, by us doing that, what we're able to do is, you know, we can project out into the future. We can look at a client and say, Hey, Based off of you know your core, your your current touring, which is now of course zero, but you know hopefully sooner rather than later that that comes back. Looking at what you're gaining, you know between your royalty streams and sort of any other revenue streams, uh, and what your expenses are on the business side, we we conservatively believe that we can we can give you like five pay you five thousand dollars from your own business or ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand or however much the amount is from your own business every single month and that's what you have to cover your personal bills. And right. so rather than, you know, the rather than looking at a financial statement with 120 different line items and trying to find somebody with no business background and, and close those two gaps, by just making that that small tweak, they're able to focus in on a number that's much more easy that's easier to understand. Uh, and then on the flip side, what we do in the business is you know we boil it down to to seven or eight really, really broad categories. And, and we're available to answer questions about those categories, but by simplifying in that manner and looking at it from a forward perspective. So, you know, what, what we do is we, you know, we take how much money you have in the bank account through the app. We look at all of the revenue streams that we know about that are coming up. We know what you typically spend for every dollar you bring in because you know your different entities don't change their uh, their the economics you know overnight. And then we can go to an artist and say, all right, you know, 30 days from now, it looks like your bank account's going to be in the negative. 
and the app will tell you right there. Or maybe the number is going to be humongous. Both of yeah. those things require deep uh, some some conversations with the artist and with the manager to figure out what you're going to do. In the case of yeah. it being you know negative, you want to go out and get money or cut your expenses, and you can see that clearly. Or you know hopefully. They have more money than they know what to do with, and we have to have a discussion on what to do with it. All right. So you mentioned uh, forecasting, which is a good segue, because now the time we're in, we're sitting here in this quarantine, nothing th- nothing is really going on as far as touring-wise. So I know you've, you've done your forecasting, and you were thinking, okay, this is how much you expect to make based upon you got Lala coming up, you have Coachella, these different things. How are you now pivoting and helping these artists understand, one, this is how much you can spend during this time. And then two, this is what you should be focusing on. And this is what our projections may look like once this, this uh, pandemic lifts. Yeah. So, so first would be a conversation with, with the, the manager, right. And trying to see what new revenue is coming in. Yeah. If you have like tune core and, and we know that, you know, typically you make $2,000 a month through tune core, give or take $500, you know, we can incorporate that into it. We, you know, we, we look at all the different revenue streams that are consistent. Uh, and then we talk with managers to see, you know, do we have any advances coming in? Are there any deals that you're currently working on? Sponsorship, you know, what's going on from that perspective? And, and we really nail down what we expect the revenue to be uh, going, going forward. And, and we're always conservative in this because the last thing you want is to tell an artist that they're going to have enough money if they do X, Y, and Z, and then they do X, Y, and Z, and they still run out of money. Yep. So we want to make sure that we're super conservative, conservative in that respect. Yeah, the second thing we do is we look to see what revenue streams we can bring to the table. You know, whether that's right now, this whole week, uh, or the last couple of weeks, we've been busy applying for unemployment for a lot of our touring artists because California just allowed independent contractors to apply for an, uh, unemployment through their system. And so, you know, that helps from a revenue perspective. Then once we've got the revenue nailed down, we go back through your expenses. We look to see what we can cut back on, you know, conversations with insurance providers, you know, hey, you're paying $400 a month for touring, for in for insurance that relates to touring, you know, is there anything there that we can cut back on to shave that down? We want to make sure artists remain protected, but you know, we don't want to like, there's no need to be protected for incidents that happen on the road when they're not going on the road. Uh, and then once we have all that stuff nailed down and we've trimmed the expenses as much as we can, then it's just simple math. Gotcha. Awesome. So do you, are you sensing uh, panic? from artists right now do you do you feel like because we we can essentially look at artists like small businesses as well a lot of small businesses are going down right now uh is, are you projecting the same thing that happened to some of these artists like yeah so so in terms of panic like yes and no this is an you know this is a feast or famine industry and all of our clients struggled at one point so they've all seen they, they, they've all lived through a stage in their career where money wasn't coming in and they had to tighten their belt. So this isn't something that, you know, it's unprecedented uh, from a nation, but from a purely like revenue versus expense standpoint and changing lifestyle, this is, this is not unprecedented for most artists. Uh, but they are concerned and, and as, as they should be because unlike before where they had some level of control, now they don't really have that level of control. You know, they can't, right. they can't hustle harder to make more money. Um, but with the help that the federal government has been able to provide, whether that's limited for small, for smaller artists who are really struggling, the, the various independent uh, like nonprofits that are, that are trying to help the industry out, uh, 
a lot of conversations with landlords, uh, assuming they rent to, to get deferrals. So there's lots of things that we're doing to help keep their head above water. Uh, I think we're only just starting to get in, uh, starting to, to get into it, even though it's been two months. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that sentiment changes in, in another two or three months if we, if we haven't moved on as a society. Yeah. Kind of a good segue, uh, Nick, because um, we were talking about um, bringing on our, our next guest, who I have to text to let him know to join, because we are super high tech. Um, and Nick, I know you're, you're super busy, and so we appreciate your time. Um, and uh, you, you're, you're free to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have to. That's... You can stick around, but I know how busy you are. Um, yeah, so, he's a, he's you know, a... I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, it's, you, it serves you, you me, don't me want to me tell to... you to go work. You mean, you mean you don't want me to stick around and tell you all about accounting for music festivals since that, you know, is a good segue to your next guest? That, that is what I wonder. Are you, are you actually, do you find yourself more occupied now that you're in quarantine? Are artists hitting you up more? Is the workload busier? Like, how does it feel right now? Well, you know, we're very fortunate in that we're, we're in an, an undifferentiated market with a differentiated product. And we, in our app, just got put onto the app store uh, starting starting earlier this week. And so we're starting to really take off. And so for us, in the, for each individual client, our workload is way down. But we've been onboarding clients like crazy. In the last two weeks, we picked up five new clients, which is, you know, a partner at a, at a business management firm will maybe not even do five new clients in a year, some of them. So, so I mean, for I, us, I, we've made up with volume. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I've noticed, and I think Nick, you probably noticed this too, is um, there are more deals happening right now. People are signing um, yeah, long-term publishing deals. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think people are seeing their touring revenue dry up, and while they could have survived for a while just on that, don't want to go and sign a publishing deal now. It's like, well, man, I'd take a, a six-figure check right now to to ride it out through this until I can go out and tour. Um, and and that's, that's the trigger that's point for a lot of artists to hire business managers too, is they right. get that, they get that big check where they can afford to bring on a business manager or they have that cash flow that they have to manage. So that tends to be a trigger point. So for all sure. those things largely align. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. Well, so wait, you guys are on the app about... store now? No, that's pretty amazing. I'm just, I'm just going to download the app just to have it on my phone now. That's well, uh, yeah, you won't be able to use it, but yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's fine. I just want to have it. So I can you just yeah. collect apps. So yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah it's, a good, like, it's a good member of your app collection. If, somebody's yeah. on my phone. I'll be like, yeah, these are my homies right there. You know, they got, <laughs> yeah, it's available on the app, on the app store, but um, to actually utilize it, you have to be a client. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, good luck in the rest of your, your podcast interviewing. Thank you no so much. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, we, we finally get some alone time. Hey man, what's going on? How you been? Uh, you know, it's been crazy. Uh, you started out the, the show talking about say so. And, uh, I've been, that's been my entire life for the last, week and a half is pushing that song to number one yeah. trying everything under the sun to, to, to get it there um yeah. it there's was, stuff i can talk about and then there's stuff that i definitely cannot talk about on, on. Right. now there was uh I, I was checking our twitter the lord for the musicians twitter 
And I'm like, yeah. why do we have so many notifications? And then if somebody out there, like one of the fan pages, for, was like, yeah. make sure you go, hey, release the original version to say so. I'm like, they found me. I was like, I yeah. don't think. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. I just took my phone number off of my email um, because last night I got a call from a fan. Like, telling me what to do about the remix it was the most sort of disconcerting call ever i saw a number it was an la number and so i just was like all right cool like i'll, I'll see what it is and this kid was like you need to do this this and this and that's how nikki's gonna get to number one and i had no idea who the kid was but he was yeah. calling me at home and i was like man i'm like i appreciate your level of fandom but you calling me with my family and it's like i'm eating <laughs> yeah. dinner you know and i'm this like is, thank you for weird. your advice yeah <laughs> So I've it's been uh, it's been interesting for sure. Is um, it hit number one yet, or is it still? We'll find out. I mean, it's number one uh, rhythm radio, and then we'll find out if it's Hot 100. You know, Billboard number one. We won't find out till probably Monday. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've been we've been pushing. So. So you're saying this weekend I need to get a couple streams in. Uh, it's too late. They do. Oh, um, they count, Billboard cuts goes from yeah. They go from Friday to Thursday. Gotcha. Uh, or gotcha. it's like Thursday to Thursday. Those numbers. Um, so yeah. So it's been uh, it's been interesting, and maybe we can get into it more um, during some other some other time. Yeah, I'm with um, that. Yeah, because uh, we have our our next guest. Although I don't know if he can hear can us. Can he hear us? Now I got you. I had to take the earpods yeah. out. They weren't connecting. Oh, word, word. There What's going on, is. brother? Much good to see you guys. Yeah, man. Good, good to see, see you. So this is uh, Michael Berg. Uh, I just know him as Berg. Um, <laughs> most people. And, yeah, <laughs> most people that know him do. Um, and he has been in promotion and live touring, live events, um, run festivals. Um, and I'm super interested to get his take on where things are specifically um, with live music and in Chicago and, and outside of Chicago. Um, Berg, did I miss anything is there anything else i should say uh about um, you no i mean that's pretty that good of, right yeah that kind of sums it up the <laughs> 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 nice introduction i appreciate that yeah so <clears throat> you're what where tell us what you're doing now i mean what is there for you to do right now well the first couple of weeks of this whole shutdown a lot of energy was put towards rescheduling and yep. which inevitably turned to further rescheduling <laughs> Yep. which inevitably turned to a lot of cancellations. So, you know, kicking the can down the road, a lot of spinning of wheels, unfortunately. Um, and then a lot of the shift and focus has now turned towards, you know, how to pivot and yeah. like what to do, how to make money, how to get back to a situation where we could have live events again. Um, not just we, but I mean the collective we, <laughs> like everyone. Yeah. Um, right. There's, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff happening with streaming. Um, that's, you know, it's a good fix for the time being. Um, but it certainly doesn't, you know, replace the experience of being in a large crowd, like at, you know, in front of a stage and really like feeling the band or the DJ or the performer do their thing and seeing the production and feeling the energy of people around you. And, you know, there was like a, yeah. a meme going around the other day about like a rail, like people were going to buy a rail to put on their, uh, in front of their TV for couch tour. So they could feel like, <laughs> so they could feel like they were front row. It was kind of funny. I had to share it. But, um, you know, 
some of the streaming things are cool, cooler than other ones. Yeah. Um, I know I've talked to you about this before when we used to have the office, but um, my management client, Manic Focus, is doing something cool on Monday night. He's releasing his Minds Mix. Um, it's like a volume series that he does of like mixtapes. And his laser light guy is based in Lawrence, Kansas, and is going to set up in the Granada Theater. And Manic himself, or J-Mac, is in Denver, and he's going to be playing the DJ set from Denver. But we're going to be streaming the – They're gonna. it's going to sync to the laser light show. So oh, cool. it's a way to level it up so it's not just like a dude in his room playing to the – computer again like it's actually yeah. like a little bit more production and Chandler who's just like a ridiculous laser light guy he's really put some effort into making this special it's going to be pretty cool so things like that and like other elements of, of that regard are starting to level up the um you know the streaming and, and couch tour type situation but again it doesn't really fully wipe it out or like replace it sure. and the next thing that's like the big hype of the last you know week and a half two weeks is drive-ins <laughs> yeah the drive-in so, tour i saw that yeah well, yeah so what, do you, what do you what do you know about that and what do you think you think that's a, a band-aid for i think it's a band-aid a, a lot of there's a lot of things that make it complicated because it's like so okay fine say the three of us all want to take our car and drive to a parking lot and watch uh, you know, watch a drive-in performance. Now, there's a few things to, to consider. One is the performance being streamed from one place and broadcast to all the different drive-ins, or is that person actually at the drive-in and they're still actually watching a real performance? That's the first right. part. Second part is, how do you pay an artist that's big enough that people will sit in their cars to watch them <laughs> instead of just sitting on their couch to watch them on TV? And like with a limited capacity because like once you put cars in, there has to be enough space to space out all the cars. Right. And so like it reduces the capacity considerably. And then the bigger question is what happens if someone needs to go to the bathroom or yeah. what happens if they want to buy a beverage or like, like how do you service people with concessions and you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And those are the things that are being worked through right now. And like, I've heard, different, you know, like this Mark Rebier guy, he's doing like an actual tour where he performs at the drive-in. Um, and I think that that feels like a little more special to me than like, you know, having even like Seeing a, a movie, act, like, yeah. like, like a radio head or a Pearl Jam, like some huge act or a Doja or like anyone, you know, like set up a performance and then they're just streaming it everywhere. And, you know, it's like, then it's like, well, I get the urge to leave your house and to just be out and to go do something. But if you're just watching it streamed from a drive-in, yeah, I, me personally, I don't. I would rather get to this point and start having events again and do something to push us towards normalcy. But on a personal level, I'd rather be at home and watch yeah. it in my own house right, and right. have you know drinks and bathrooms and my couch <laughs> and fresh air from my you know balcony and yeah. whatever. So um, that's just me, but you know. Yeah. People have the itch, and for our festival that we work on down in Florida, Sewanee Halloween, we just released the uh, we just announced the dates, and it was it was kind of a save the dates message, and it was it came with some like sincere honesty that this is wishful thinking. We don't know that we're going to be able to have a show. Um, it's different in every state, and it's different in every city and municipality, and you know it's not even necessarily totally like a red state, blue state or like Republican right. Democrat thing, but like every 
leader has their own set of like values, reasons that they want to things to open or to not. And, um, you know, yeah. Florida is quite frankly, maybe a place that will open sooner than others. <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw, I saw something, um, that the dolphins, Miami dolphins yep, announced that they, they were going to have, uh, 16,000 yeah 15 16,000 people into the stadium and they had it all mapped out including how people would be able to get food so you would put an order in through a phone through an app and then they would bring it down which is like why don't they already have that because that's brilliant and there's um and something with the bathrooms it's probably single file in there yeah um but how awesome would that be to go to a football game with only 15,000 people and there's nobody in front of you um I think it's. I, I just I think don't know. Do you think music will move the same way, where they just limit the crowds? How do they make enough money? There was an article that Live Nation was talking about that opening up venues at twenty five percent capacity. So I was right. Weirded about that. That's all. One. Yeah. So Berg, chime in on that. Like, how do you even see that working? You know. Okay. So thank you for saying that because that that brings up another example. And I was Josh. I was going to bring up the sports one with the Dolphins. Yeah. Read that article also, but Eddie. There's a venue in, I believe, Arkansas that's yep. holding a show on Monday. And I think I, I'm butchering the numbers here, but this is like a general like gist of it is it's like 1100 cap venue and they're letting like 150 people come. It's like about 10% or something. Uh, and what I'm trying to understand, because we've talked about this in Chicago and we've talked about this with venues and, 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 you know, from as small as like a chop shop Lincoln Hall to as big as like an Aragon or a Northerly Island. If you have a general admission venue, how do you really control social distancing? So it's like when it's a yeah. stadium and you can put X amount of seats, you say like right. there's only this many people can sit in this section and there's seats and you have to be four seats apart. Like that's how you do it. And if you go to Concord Music Hall or you go to the Aragon and you say you can only have 25% here, how do you space those people out? Do you have to put barricades up and make six, five, six foot by six foot uh, like Little pod? penalty boxes, yeah. That's what's been talked about. It's like, like little rage cage pods, you know? And, <laughs> um, and like, like outside of some like fairly heavy security measures, that I think will probably hurt the vibe of the experience a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't know how you really can like police that. And I hate to use that word, but that's what it is. It's like, if people are going to have to have their temperatures taken walking into a venue, it's already hard enough getting in and out of venues with the searches and the pat downs and they're necessary. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't happen, but it takes long enough as it is, especially if it's say like a normal show that starts at like, you know, doors at nine, music at 10, and the headliner goes on at 11. At 10.30, everyone shows up at the same time. And like, there's just right. no way to manage it coming in. And now you're going to add an element of, on top of the search, you're going to have to take everyone's temperature. And then, you know, the, just like, right. the, I read things about uh, not allowing more than 10 people in a bathroom at one time, which makes sense. And that's fine. But again, like what happens if somebody has to go to the bathroom? Do they have to wait in a line six feet apart to get in? There's so many logistics that are still being massaged and worked through that right. it's really like we're in the infantile stages of this whole thing. And like going back to the hula thing, that's basically what we tried to say to the fans is like, we're experiencing this in real time with all of you. Like we're, we're watching the news. We're reading things. We believe what we believe. We disagree with what we disagree with right. but like we're experiencing this at the same time as you we don't have some sort of like the industry at large doesn't have some master playbook on like how to deal with this this is 
absolutely unprecedented for anything that people of our generation at the very least in, li- in lifetime have experienced or have anything of the sort. For, for sure. I mean, I, and it also just goes back, like begs the question again, like you said, with the drive-in, like if they, you know, if there was a show and it was like my favorite band of all time, but I had to go in a, with 150 people right now and I know everybody's going to just try to get up towards the front and I don't know who these people are, even if they took my temperature, like I'm not going to that. I'm, right. I'm good, you know? And, and on top of that, if you only have 150 people into a, a venue that can hold, you know, 10 times that amount, how is the venue making any money? They got to pay the band, right? Like, I mean, they, and you got to pay security and all that kind of stuff. What's the point of opening in under those circumstances? I think generally it like, it's a, it's an urge to fulfill a human desire at this point. It's like people's yeah. livelihoods. Like this is what we do. Like we throw concerts, like people are fans. They go to concerts, they go to their day job. They go to concerts to blow off steam. And it's like, now that that outlet has been taken away from them, people are just yearning to go do something and you can't blame them. It's like everyone, some days are easier than others throughout this process. Like I've had days where I've like enjoyed moments of like, wow, I haven't had this much downtime in as long as I can remember. And then the next day I'm like, wow, I haven't been this bored in as long as I can remember. (laughs) It's like, you know, it goes, it goes back and forth and round and round and like some days are easier than others. But I think that there's like truly a, a yearning for people to get out. And like the messages that we got back from the save the date, announcement on hula was thank you thank you for giving some sort of hope thank you for being honest with us that like this might not happen but that you hope it does as much as we do and it was like it was actually like probably the best part of this whole week or some of the messages that we got from people right yeah and it made you know you came with the human element man so many people are like thinking corporate and it's like okay we understand insurance policies and all that and why you can't say cancellation over postponement and all that but sometimes you just have to have some empathy for these fans that just generally want to get outside and do something just want to experience life again uh so yeah down in florida it's it's very interesting because i don't know if you guys noticed saturday is going to be the ufc fight so Mm -hmm. they're actually going to have a ufc main event going on down there i don't think they're going to have any fans but Right, they've been deemed an essential business. So now, Dana White was, <laughs> <laughs> Dana White was able only to in like, Florida. It's only yeah. in Florida. Though, right? <laughs> oh, so I, I wonder what they if they'll even deem touring or anything like that a part of essential business, or if they'll just wait until a, a vaccine becomes available or whatever the case may be. But I mean, I know people that are in the music industry, whether they're marketing people or producers or promoters or artists or tour managers or whatever. And like people are split pretty evenly. Like some people are like, let's get back to business. If we get sick, we get sick, you know? And I don't think that people are thinking about like them asymptomatically killing someone else by carrying the virus. Like as much as they're just like, if I get sick, I get sick, so be it. And other people are like, you know what, until there's tracing and until there's a vaccine, I'm not going out. And you can't really get mad at either side of those positions you know i mean you can but like it's i mean like, i could get mad i yeah, could you get can mad get, at that first <laughs> yeah you can get mad bit. if you if you're gonna kill someone but like all i'm saying yeah. is understand no, I'm, i understand both ways is all i'm saying yeah. for sure yeah I, yeah I, I mean it's it's scary you know i mean the whole thing is scary and it's like i i understand the the desire to get back to work and you know i mean you know we work with all these restaurateurs and they're having the exact same conversation it's like all right well at 25 percent capacity which is like in the phase three in Illinois where they're going to open up restaurants, but it's only 25 to 50% capacity. 
they can't make they can't make any money because you know they got to pay rent and they're gonna have staff and they're gonna have food costs and they the, everything that they set up is based on the size of their the capacity of of their restaurant and yeah. the same I'm sure with bars that have live music you know so it's like they can't fifty percent doesn't do anything other than maybe psychologically it's like oh business is right. open again. Or like it helps you get rid of your inventory that might be going bad in a freezer or like a refrigerator or something. You sure. Know. And like, I'm glad that you guys brought up UFC and that Dolphins thing because when this first happened and South by was kind of the first big major yep. event to go down, I was hemming and hawing to my partners and my friends. I'm like, why blah, blah, blah. If, you know, I'm like, if this was real, I'm like, sports would shut down. I'm like, why is music, I'm like, why is music the only one falling on the sword? I'm like, I don't understand why music events are the only thing shutting down. And le- less than ten days later, it was like about a week later, the NCAA yeah. tournament went down and NBA went down, and I'm like, all right, this shit's real. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't take it seriously. Yeah, man, I miss sports. Right. No, it was definitely like that. We had one podcast episode where I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't wait to do South by. I don't care. More people are going down with the flu. Then, like the fall, the next week, we, the NBA was canceled. We're like, oh yeah, so this thing is serious. Uh, yeah, how are we going to brace yeah. for this? And I mean, I've I've been told that like uh, by super high ups at at um, at agencies that they are following Major League Baseball. That once baseball starts, and however they do it then the rest of the sports leagues and uh, entertainment will, will follow suit. Yep. You I know, and I mean, I've heard crazy, but it doesn't really work for music. You could have, I heard something about, um, I think the entire NBA season, rest of the season would be played at Disney World. Yeah. The, Did you guys the, hear that? That uh, sports complex they have down there. Wow. Yeah. It's a huge so complex. They, keep, they have to house all of them. Wow. But you can't do that for music. You know, right. like it just doesn't work for, for concerts. It really doesn't. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Berg, what are you are you seeing? You know, outside of just hoping that this uh, there's a vaccine and there's the tracing and all the stuff that you mentioned, are you seeing people that are in your position specifically that are either running festivals or events or venues? What are they doing? Are they? You, it's not like you can open up a Twitch page and make as much money as you do when you're promoting a a, a concert. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible, and a lot of people are like, you know, trying to pivot and figure out how to weather the storm. And like I said earlier, there's not a playbook on this. Like no one really knows how to do it. And like, we're going to keep, I expect to keep following the trends of sports. And, you know, even like if like they, they had said at one point before that Dolphins thing came out about NBA and NFL and baseball too, that like they'll play games, but without fans there. And as weird as that is, for the players probably like to not have that energy and like noise around them. I'm sure that everyone sitting at home would rather watch games with no crowd and no games at all. Maybe feel more like a practice, but like have some real implications with like records and and stuff like that. But that doesn't apply to music. Like you can't do the same thing. Otherwise you basically are just live streaming, which is already happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Well, yeah, I wish I wish I had better news on it. I mean, you know, like I said, some days are easier than others. Some days it seems more promising. Um, yeah. And it's crazy because this has only been a couple of months. It feels like it's been a year already. Like it's for sure. Time, time's moving slow for sure. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, 
as far as Chicago's concerned and like other major markets, I could see the capacity thing rolling out with smaller venues first. Um, if I'm, you know, I can't predict anything, but if I was going to yeah. try, I would see that happening. And then like the mid-sized venues opening up next and then the major, you know, arenas and Aragons and things like that opening up last, but yeah, you know, yeah, nobody's got the crystal ball on this one. That's for sure. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thanks Berg. I don't mean to, you know, be down, but it's kind of hard not, not to be, um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm hopeful and Eddie and I've talked about this before. I'm just hopeful that this is like a period of ultimate creativity for artists. And like, we're just going to get crazy good projects that come out of this. And, yeah. you know, I don't know what else artists can do right yeah. now other than make music. And outside of the artists and like industry side of it, like what Eddie was mentioning earlier, like the human element of it, like I'm, I'm a hippie. So I hope these kind of things, but like, yeah. I maybe there could be a bit of an awakening, like people actually like appreciating their live experience or like appreciating dinner with a group of friends and like, you know, how long that'll last in America. Uh, who knows? But <laughs> right, right. A couple weeks. Think, uh, yeah, at least a couple of weeks and it'll be a really great couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. Maybe finally people will put their cell phones down during the show. That's what I actually watch the show. That's so, what I'm yeah, saying. If we get that, yeah. then yeah, maybe it was, this was all. Dude, that was good, Bert. You flipped it. You took us down and brought us back up. He I brought us, he left us out here with the love. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, uh, you talking to us. It's no problem. Thanks you. for having me on. It's good to see your guys' faces again. I miss seeing good you guys. See you as well, again. bro. All, all right, man. Anything Until holler. next time. All right. Peace. All right. Uh, Eddie. Yes, sir. Do we do we end it here? I feel like we we've gone a, the quarantine radio itself is like not our lawyer for musicians podcast where we're not bringing up current events because there's not really the only current that. event is the pandemic. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I don't know. We could regale people with some some stories of your uh, barbecue cooking or. I mean, I have been going going crazy on the smoker. Um, I've been seeing, I, I'd yeah. say we, we can save that for next one because <laughs> then we'll know, then Doja will be number one, so we can I celebrate so. that. Yeah. Um, we got Mother's Day coming up, so I'm going big on Mother's Day. So okay. I'll have a, a nice recap. I think I'm going to try and do the brisket and chicken at the same time. Oh, man. You know, see God. how I can do that, man. Yeah. Make me, you make me want to get a smoker. <laughs> hey, uh, you should get one. I'll come by. Yeah. Do whatever I got to do on it. But hey, you need that thing because okay. it's, right. it's amazing. All right. All right. Cool. Then uh, let's call it. Cool, beans. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Uh, like, subscribe, do all those things, comment. I'm Eddie. This is Josh. We're Peace. out. See ya.